Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Two Hacks, One Pro, the podcast that invariably is long overdue, but we should say that Sam Northey's only agreed to record this podcast when he scored runs. Thankfully, <laughs> he scored an absolute lorry load in Hampshire's last game against Middlesex. Sam, congrats. How you doing? Thanks, mate. Yeah, you know that's definitely not true. I, you could have been waiting a while, but, you know, thanks a lot. Um, no, it was good. It was good. It was a good result. Um, good four days. Enjoyed it. Um, you know, good to be back on the pod. You know, Will's had a haircut. It looks completely different, um, but good to be back. Will, um, you are looking very fresh, it has to be said. Um, weird, though, for cricket correspondent of the Evening Standard to take a week off after two you know, into the second round of the, of the county championship. You'll probably explain that away as needing a break. But, um, you know, the, the people are wondering where where was this coverage of, of Middlesex in disarray at the hands of one <laughs> Sam Northeast, hashtag Northeast for England? Bubble life is challenging and we all need resting rotation. So <laughs> I took a bit of time out last week. Um, I chose to go home. Um, and, yeah, no, I, I was off last week, but I was still... Because I'm a very sad man, I was glued to all the streams and watching it all intently. I watched Sam bring up his hundred, having been ninety nine not out overnight. Um, which how was that, by the way? Have you have you been ninety nine not out overnight before? Have you experienced that before? It's just one of the worst things ever, actually. Like being ninety nine <laughs> for about like ten hours. Like I, I reckon I dreamt that ball about thousand times in my dreams i didn't actually sleep but i reckon it was like i thought you know that evening i was like oh it's no bad thing go if i don't get it it's fine it's not fine it's absolutely <laughs> not fine you know it was like 10 hours of like complete nightmare um i'm much more nervous than i reckon i've ever been on 99 before um and to get it was like it was actually huge relief um, you patted back a maiden didn't you to start the day i seen. I think I patted back a maiden and then... Um, you coward. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, should just, I, I definitely wanted a bit more flair in my life. That's why I like, you know, come down and do like a, like a Richard Pant, you know, hit your six to get your hundred. That was sort of like, that's the dream. But in reality, it never, never really happened. You know, it's just like squirt one to leg side or something. It has um, one. You go on, Vish. How did you like... So, so obviously you come off and you, you, you know, you know you've done well. You, you know, Hampshire in a good position at that point. But like, how do you, how do you switch off? Because I mean, evidently you don't if you say you didn't sleep. But like, people congratulate you. You know, the big thing for from Will and I's point of view is that whenever someone's close to the hundred overnight, invariably they're often the man of the day. So you want to talk to them for your, um, for your for your post match. But like, did you do press that night? uh i don't no i did no i didn't i did it the day before for like in 60 i think and then i didn't but then you know you know you just know that actually my mates are just completely horrible people you know they're basically just saying like i'll make sure you don't get you know no runs tomorrow or like couldn't you not you know keys sending me a message like how do you not get one more run mate you know like stuff like that you think oh brilliant you know i've got really good friends here and um and then, like, you know, getting home, misses not understanding how much it means that, you know, to get 100 rather than 99. She's like, oh, it'll be fine if you get 99. It's like, no, it won't be. It really <laughs> won't be. Anyway, so it was a bit of a, it was a, bit of a nightmare um, and a relief, actually, to get it. 
You and Ian Holland were both in the nineties, weren't you? So did we? We did you kind of? Um, would, did he have a similar fit? Obviously, ninety nine is. I think he was on ninety two, maybe ninety nine and ninety two are quite different. But would, were you be sort of psyching each other up? Were you in it together, kind of thing? Well, he said that he he took sort of he he was much more calm knowing that I was on ninety nine and I was in a worse position than him. So. <laughs> God, that's um, fascinating. But also, but he, can I just... You, you were in a better position. You had seven more runs than him. You were in a better position than him. True. It's a ridiculous game. But it I know what he means. Game. Yeah, it is. It's a completely mad game. But he... I mean, he had a few little jitters around 99. He sort of tried to hit Souter over his head and sort of <laughs> skewed it and then sort of half hit one to get his 100. And he had a few jittery moments. But he played extremely well. So we'll, we'll forgive him that. When he was on 99, were you a bit like, see, it's not nice, is it? Yeah, I was if, laughing if the whole way I'm through. Backing, if you think I'm backing up now after all this shit you did <laughs> yeah. last time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, what, Hampshire have basically had the dream start to the season, right? You've won two games. You won up at Leicester when Vince made that ridiculous double hundred. I think um, five of your top six have got hundreds. Um, you've The bowlers have kind of shared the wickets around quite a lot. Abbas has taken that. Patrick in a ridiculous five for Abbott's got wickets. Crane got some last week. Dawson's doing the whole lot as he as he does when he's at his best. Like, is it kind of Dreamland start? You're feeling great. We, no, we are feeling great. And as you said, everyone's chipped in, um, which is always a good sign. Uh, and sort of, it's just not a few players. Um, you know, Vincey played unbelievably well up at Leicester, um, and then we sort of just got a sort of a bit of momentum from there, really. Um, and it was a really good win against Middlesex, you know, a good side. Um, but we don't really want to do a Spurs and sort of be top of the table and you know by Christmas and then fade away. But it's allowed it... in August. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we do, you know, Hampshire we've got... joining the IPL. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, we have got we've got a good squad and um, some good balance to the side and. Um, you know, a few guys have sort of improved. It looks like they've sort of come of age a little bit as well. Uh, and, we, you know, mystery spinner and Macy bowled really well up at Leicester. So, yeah, I could mention a lot of people, but we've started the season well. And, you know, you have to start well this year just because of the format, really. You can't, you know, I imagine like if you've lost and drawn one or something at the moment, you're thinking, you know, we actually, we need to get going pretty quickly. So we're in a nice position to get into that Div 1. Um, nice start, but, you know, Another big week against Gloucester have also started really started really well. I think you're bang on about that point about having to start well this this time because you look around the games and like it's been a really it's been like actually a pretty classic start to the season I think um, like there's been so much good cricket a lot of good games this weekend that Notts Warwickshire one was Belter um, and you know teams coming close a lot. Of, I think Ben Cox batted out for a draw at Worcester. Ollie Robinson's had a ridiculous performance for Sussex. Uh, at Glamorgan, who also had a ridiculous performance from Kieran Carlson, who got twin hundreds. Like, there's loads of good stuff going on around the grounds. But I feel like your team. What's what what's good about Hampshire at the moment is everyone, all, all your best players, everyone who would be in your best eleven, I think, is there, and you've got your best eleven on the park at the moment. Whereas a lot of teams are like missing overseas guys are coming from australia like i mean glamorgan are going to have labashane and nessa coming into their team which is unbelievable middlesex you've obviously played them 
before Peter Hanscom's arrived. I'm not saying he's like, you know, not necessarily Steve Smith. That's one of Sam's dogs. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's a good player. He's going to improve them. But you guys are right on it from from day one. And when, as you say, when you've only got 10 games uh, in this kind of, what's it called? Is this the group stage? And then it goes into divisions. I can never remember exactly what we're calling the different pots that you're all in. But, um like you've only got ten games in this period, and to to qualify, you're you're looking. It's great to have basically be at full ball from from game one, and and to win those first two games. Yeah, no, it, it is. No, it's it's a strange year, but and, and it's weird that not everyone sort of got their main overseas players. Um, and we're very lucky that we've got Abo, who's sort of a bit of a a permanent fixture for us, and then we've added Mo, um, who's done unbelievably well. Um, my dogs want to chip in here as well, which is a bit of a nightmare. But, um, you know, we, we started really well. Um, and I think it, the only thing I would say is that getting their, their bonus points. Um, what, <laughs> what, what is going on? We've got you back from um, from the dogs. Um, just because of that interruption, we probably should ask um, Lewis McManus. There was obviously a bit of controversy around him at the start of uh, or start of the season. That game against Leicestershire with the stumping of Azad ball in one hand, Bale's taken off in the other. Um, quite a lot of the chat around it on on social media was quite unedifying. Uh, can you give us a bit of insight into like? What you guys were feeling, I suppose, like first in the moment, and then kind of as the as the game, you know, played out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel really sorry for Lewis, really, because the whole situation. Um, but if we go to the actual event itself, was you know, I was at slip, and it looked like um, he had he had edged it as it went past, and then um, uh, basically he sort of took the bails off obviously which was with his wrong hand but I don't think he realized that at the time but he wasn't he wasn't sort of appealing for that I realized that he was out of his crease he was still out of his crease never still went back in anyway he's giving him out and we didn't really there was nothing said in the huddle and then we saw that Leicestershire were were kicking off um and I think you know he sort of at that time didn't he wasn't 100% sure that he sort of took it off with the wrong hand I think he probably he knew something might have been not right but he wasn't 100% certain he was sort of more concentrated on the on the catch and it's you know if you know somebody's character you know I know Lewis well and I think we all know that he's not a cheat and he wouldn't do something like that deliberately and I think if you if you see him now you know after the event he's pretty sheepish he feels pretty down about the whole thing um and you know I feel sorry for him because I don't think he he meant that in in any situation really I mean nothing was said in that huddle I don't think but I mean he'll learn from it I'm sure um but I, I feel sorry for him because I'm he I know that he's a you know generally one of the good guys in in county cricket and he wouldn't have meant that at all so um 
yeah, and he's felt pretty bad about it, and he's, he seems like a bit of a different person this week, just from the whole scenario. Um, but I think we've probably learned as a team about it, maybe how to handle the situation as well. Um, but I, I can pretty honestly say that he, you know, there was no intent of cheating there. So, so there was no kind of discussion in the huddle that, oh shit, something, something's a bit wrong here. We should call him back. Because I think like what a lot of people saw on social media, which evidently is, you know, we're taken out of the heat of the moment. We're not, we're not involved in that. So, you know, and it, and it, it obviously happens quicker for you guys than it does for us watching it back because we can watch it back over and over again. But there was no kind of feeling at the time that, right, we should maybe call him back. Well, no, we didn't know. There was no mention in the huddle. And, I mean, none of us really saw Louis take the, the you know, bells off. You know, he saw the bells on the on the floor and you just think, oh, that's all normal, really. And um, I don't think Lewis at the time realised it. It was a very split, you know, decision at that time to take him off. And maybe looking back, he, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm sort of not... I'm speaking for him here in some ways, and I, I don't really know how he felt, but I don't think he he sort of realised what he'd done, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it, it seemed it seemed like a kind of you know we we've seen it before where like even when keepers affect that kind of stumping where there is no appeal and they're just waiting for the batsman or batter to get off balance and then they kind of whip them off and it's you know a margin out. and it is. I suppose it is instinctive. The only the only thing that people had a problem with, it seemed, was and, and, and understandably so, was that kind of in, instinctive when you know you've got the ball in one hand and you're, and you're flicking it off with the other. Was there a point, or, when, or rather, when was the point that you realised that there was like this issue that you had to deal with? Well, we we sort of all um, heard about it. It's sort of, you know, it sort of came. You know, when there's especially with no crowds. I mean, when somebody's kicking up a fuss, you know, like the Leicestershire dressing room, and you can hear it pretty and. And Paul, right, right. and Paul Nixon yeah. was going around the boundary, sort of, you know, kicking off and calling us things. Um, <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. And then we're like, what, what's going on here? And then the sort of message came on and the next drinks break and blah, blah, blah. And then you saw Lewis's face sort of like drop and gone, oh, I'm right. You know, what do we do? Like, I didn't mean it. But, you know, I sort of, you know, if that happened, I feel really, really bad about it. And then, you know, we could have potentially have sorted something out then, you know, maybe called him back. We didn't, you know, maybe in hindsight, we, you know, could have said something on that day. It all happened. I don't know. It was a really sort of strange half hour of cricket. And um, and then sort of watching it back in the evening, you know, I'm thinking, wow, it might not look that bad. And it did look really bad. And it sort of made it sort of in my head, it made it look worse than what I had in my own, in my own head when I was sort of going through it. Um, and, you know, potentially, you know, we could have done things, released this, you know, statement, called him back, stuff like that. And I think we all would learn from that situation. Um, but um, I feel bad for Lewis. Cause I don't think he deserved some of the criticism, which he sort of got on social media. I would, I would agree with that. Uh, I thought the social media reaction was out of proportion with what happened. Like, obviously, it was unfortunate, and he did do something wrong. But I don't like. I don't think it was like a nasty, crafty thing to do. I don't think it was it, it, even even just watching the replays, which is all I obviously had access to. I wasn't watching the stream at the time. Like, you just you would like it. Never noticed anything was wrong. It also, the the other thing was you were all initially appealing for caught behind because you thought he'd nicked it, weren't you? And then. That kind of Michael Goff, I think it was, he said no to that, and he, he we kind of trust him now. Um, 
and then square leg gave it out. So he's like, all right, okay, well, he's out one way or another. It's one of those ones where cricket can have those kind of double play moments where it's like, oh, which way is he out? Has he been run out or has he been, um, has he been caught? And it was just one of those. And I feel I also feel for McManus because probably never been involved in anything like that before um, in terms of social media and people can be really quite nasty. I thought it was quite unnecessary. Um, but the one good thing about the whole thing was that although Hassan Azad has proved again this week at the Oval like what a good player he is and he's got a superb record, um, he, like, Hampshire were always well on course to win that game, I think, whatever the outcome of that particular incident. I think, you know, you won with a whole day to spare, basically, didn't you? So it was kind of... it. I don't think it was a totally pivotal moment in the match, but... Yeah, it was an un- it was an unfortunate incident, and uh, I hope that uh, it isn't what people remember Lewis McManus for 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 too long. Because I'm sure people, I mean, to be to be honest, I don't I haven't even seen anything about it for about a week. So hopefully we can all move on. Oh yeah, but it, I mean, it will invariably what it be one of those things that like people will see it as their job to mention. But I think like you know as you say if if he's kind of if he's been um affected by it and evidently it doesn't seem to have affected his performance in that way i suppose it's just something he's going to be wary of and it kind of doesn't matter if some faceless account says something oh, look it's easier said than done when you're not on that end of the abuse but i think he can um you know live and learn from it obviously it wasn't it didn't necessarily affect the result obviously Leicestershire have put out their statement and said they want all this kind of action from the ECB. It'll be interesting to see what they make of that because it's, you know, you're essentially, there's a danger of assuming intent onto McManus when what we know of cricket is that it's a game that's kind of inbuilt with with repetition and instincts where, you know, a lot of shit like this does happen, you know. Definitely, like, yeah. Yeah. His arms are just um, flailing around, basically. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you know Hassan went and got his and got a big score and got his average back up to fifty. So everyone's <laughs> laughing, is what I'm saying. It's all fine. Um, well, I've, I've got to ask you about Middlesex really because it's been a very peculiar time for them. I, you know, we were both at Lords for that first game where they looked to have bossed the first couple of games. Two and then days, Somerset, yeah. Yeah, and then Somerset came out and, and, and won it with a chase at the end. Very reminiscent to what Essex do, and I think I think we're kind of. You know, when you look at Essex and Somerset, you see two teams who just know, not just know how to win, but know that a game is never dead, which is arguably probably the more important thing, because whether you're saving it or winning it, to be in a situation where you're at the end of day two wondering how the hell you're going to turn it around and to to do what Somerset did on that day and then what Essex did against Durham is all the more remarkable. But, you know, we mentioned Hamscombe Hamscom being out, but yeah, Somerset, uh, sorry, uh, Middlesex seem in in quite a weird place and as someone who you know covers them a fair bit and is is, is very in tune with their inner workings um is there something more to this than just like a, a dip in form i don't know really they're sort of they've they're, the, the problem for middlesex is they've been in flux or transition or whatever the word you want to use about that kind of situation is for basically since they got relegated they got relegated in 2017 slightly surprisingly well definitely yeah, like, surprisingly, as defending champions yeah. as defending but no but even at the end of the season it was slightly surprising that they went down they and, and it was a it was a sort of ugly relegation in that it was i think yeah. it was by one point and it was around that game at taunton and they with, with the Ever- Ar- with the archer as well at Lord, um, yeah Lord it was Lord, that yeah, yeah the, the yeah. crossbow and it it was it was an awkward, weird relegation. They were probably, at that point, too good to go down, but quite quickly, 
developed into a kind of pretty modest Division 2 side, I think. Like, they haven't really threatened promotion in the two opportunities they had. And then, obviously, last year was a Bob Willis summer. This year, I thought this year represented quite a good opportunity for them, like a, you know, level playing field. And they do have a good... I mean, Sam's face for them and he's panned them around this week, but they, I think they've got good bowling <laughs> stocks. Like, they've got a good set of bowlers. Yeah. Like, there's the attack that you face this week, but they were missing um, Helm and Murta this week and Harris and this lad, Blake Cullen, who everyone's raving about at Middlesex. He wasn't playing, nor was the, the, the spinner, Walla Luita. I think that's how you pronounce it. And he... It's like really promising. He's their first choice spinner, not Salter. So, but the batting is just, it looks light. And Hanscom's coming back now. That will help. But you kind of need your, your Sam Robson always had, had an excellent opening game, but you need your openers to be, you need platforms, um, which is what they had when they, when they were a good side, when Compton was around and Gubbins and Robson were a good opening pair for a, for a bit as well. Um, Rob Gubbins obviously gone to number three. They just, yeah, you're talking about teams like Essex and Somerset who, when the going gets tough, they are incredible. You know, like, mm. I, when Essex needed that, were chasing, sorry, Durham were chasing about 160, I think, weren't they? As soon as Essex's lead got over a awful game they'd had until that point, I just have this feeling that Essex were going to win and, like, you don't quite know how it's going to happen, but you've got a sense of, like, Porter and Cook will get a couple early, Harmer will get one. They're just so, like, robust, like, they know how to win, and I feel like Middlesex have massively forgotten that. They lost that game to Somerset the week before, which they should never have lost. They collapsed themselves to mean yeah. it was a chase of, I say only, chasing 2-8, I think it was like something like 2-8-6, like, that's still a massive chase. And then for them to do that, for a, for a lord for a lord's chase, though you'd probably say it's yeah. It's no, we have seen most big chases. Considering yeah, what's been there have been big there. chases yeah. there, but to to even let that kind of happen, it's yeah. They, I, I just yeah, think yeah. it's that thing where you've sort of forgotten how to win, and then yeah, this game after to be honest after that lord's defeat coming up against a Hampshire side who'd you know let's be honest they feasted on Leicestershire the week before, so we're really confident and we've got a lot of kind of international class players to come up to go down to the Aegeus then was a hard fixture for Middlesex they've got Surrey this week I think hard place, place to go to there. hard place yeah. to go to the Aegeus yeah quite yeah. literally it's, it's fucking miles off the M27 <laughs> um, but the um, yeah they've now got Surrey this week which yeah might be a better matchup for them um, it's at Lords where they're you know obviously more comfortable so yeah they're, they're We'll wait a few more weeks, but they, they're already searching a little bit because that's a tough couple of defeats for them to take, I think. Sam, what did you, obviously, kind of, <laughs> as Will mentioned, you know, difficult to say when you've, um, maybe you're in the best position because of, of the runs you scored last week, but, but what did you make of Middlesex? Because I feel like Middlesex, and, and maybe it's because the majority of, um, you know, broadsheets, that's like main publication journals are, based in London but like Middlesex often get a lot of press inches and they get a lot of coverage because of that and obviously being at Lords they're kind of they're always talked of even loosely as being quote unquote there or thereabouts but like what did you make of them 
you know what you faced last week because on paper that looked like a formidable lineup that you've just dispatched with ease. Yeah, I think you know as we we looked at them as one of the one of the stronger sides in our group um, and always knew it was going to be a tough game. But as you sort of you, you mentioned about Somerset and Essex, it's about you sort of they've had some good seasons of playing well in Championship cricket, and it's that confidence of just knowing that you can win from anywhere. And I think, you know, and we're hopefully we're sort of slowly starting to build that. And I think it goes such a long way when you, you just sort of build a bit of momentum in championship cricket. And maybe Middlesex don't have that at the moment. Um, but, you know, things can change really quickly. But, you know, sides like Essex and Somerset, they're so hard to beat just because they find a way. You know, they've got match winners on the last day. You know, it's, it's really tough to beat them. So, um I think if if you get on a bit of a roll in this competition, I think I think if you start well, I think you can go a long way and and uh, and get yourself. You know, you you have to just play really well at the start to get yourself into Div One, and then and then you got to break, and then I guess if you're in Div One, then anything can happen. Um, so I'm sure they'll be looking to to come back, and you know, all you have to do is get yourself into Div One and and go from yes, there. It's t- the Essex know- Somerset thing is like you look at their teams, and they're actually kind of similar teams in the sense that their bowling, I would say, is both teams bowling stronger than batting. Essex's batting is a bit stronger than Somerset's, which is why they've been like that. Um, but, you know, they've both got... Your, Somerset have got England's best spinner, Leach, and uh, Essex have got the best spinner in the in the comp, in, in Harmer. And then they've both got, like, pretty deep, good seam attacks. I mean, we're talking about kind of Hampshire having both their overseas players and the full squad. I saw that Peter Siddle is now here for Essex. Like, that adds another element to their side. Like, they're, they're going to be... For them to, to for them to pull that win against Durham out of... Essentially out of thin air, having had a high-scoring draw the week before, they're going to... They kind of prove... They provided a reminder that they're kind of really here this year and going to be bloody tough to beat again. I think Chelmsford's such a... Such a tough place to go. They seem to have worked out a method on their on their pitch, whether it you know it definitely seems around with the new ball early days, and then um, and then you got Harmer coming into it. You know it definitely turns and and bounces, and it suits his his style of bowling. Um, so going to Chelmsford's always it's always really tough, and I I find it a nightmare to predict the pitch there. It looks completely different to what it actually plays, and I've definitely got the toss wrong about five times there. It's a really tough place to go. The team I'm finding interesting are Gloucestershire. Like they are, they're meant to be in Division One, and everyone kind of forgets that they're kind of, you know, they they fly under the radar a bit. Their team has changed quite a lot over time. They lost players to places like Warwickshire. You know, Norwell went there, um, and but they've pulled together this team, and they look they look really decent. You guys are playing them this week, so I won't get you to. Slag them off and tell, tell us they're rubbish. But, but that just shows they, you this, they, this. Sorry to cut you off, but that just shows you this sort of new format where you probably wouldn't play, you know, in Div One and Div Two. But you know, they're sort of showing that actually they're ready to mix it with, you know, the big clubs effectively. Um, and that's a really good sign. You know, it's a great sign for them that they've got, you know, some really good sort of young players coming through as well. Um, but you know, that gives everyone a, an opportunity to to you know have a crack at the supposed you know big clubs, you know, like the big six in the in football, you know. So um, maybe they're like the Leicester aren't allowed to play Arsenal anymore. Um, 
but but, the, but this is a, this is a thing though, isn't it? Because like one of the one of the big complaints, or not big complaints, but one of the caveats whenever we talk about players in form was whether they're doing it in Division One or Division Two, which brings me on to the next man that I wanted to talk about, Chris Den. Now James Bracey is is Gloucester's leading run scorer, and there's every chance that he gets his nod with England, having been almost the kind of the this sounds disparaging, but it's not. But he's very much the beneficiary of bubble life because he's been given a chance to impress in front of the England selectors and given the opportunities of being given the opportunity of being in front of their eyes. He's yeah, and practice with them as well, and practice with them. But but like you know, yeah. all the all the noises that we've heard will have been of a guy who, who is very impressive in everything he does, and not least in how organised he is at somebody back at the top of the order. But Chris Dent now. As someone who was going to be playing Division One anyway, given that Northampton and Gloucestershire were both secured that those last two promotion spots in 2019, um, Chris Dent started with 228 runs. He's averaging 76, three half centuries. He is someone who has always been brought up, almost in that. Do you remember that phase where Will Gidman was brought up because his numbers were absurd as an mm. all-rounder? Now Chris Dent's very much in that position as as an opening batsman. And I wonder if this new format is going to make them look a bit differently towards him, at the very least in terms of conversation. Because he's, he's only 30. He just turned 30 in January, in the January, or 20th of January. Um, and I don't know, like, there's something about him that I feel like is, there is a bit of kind of, I don't want to say untapped, because he's clearly just churned all the way through. But I do wonder if, this new system is going to benefit him because there isn't a reason to not look at him, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he's, everyone the, everyone who does it this year is doing it against, like, the level, aren't they? There is no... Yeah. There's no yeah. there's no one who Chris Dent isn't facing this year. There's no one he doesn't have the, the right to face. Um, I agree, yeah, he's got unbelievable numbers uh, over a really long period of time. And... Yeah, the cream will rise this year. I think more than more than any other year. He's got to work on uh, facing dodgy offspin, though. That's the only issue. He's got out. Have you got him yeah, out? Yeah, one uh, one wicket, and unfortunately, Chris Dent is the one. So. Right. Well, I've been sack him off then. Yeah, he's, he's pony. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Cheltenham. God knows when. <laughs> ages ago. Yeah, but you know, I'm sure he's got over it. <laughs> <laughs> so can't take him to the subcontinent then alright noted um, <laughs> Sam and Will a pleasure to catch up let's try and do this more regularly um, given as we mentioned the caveat at the start then Sam looks you know Sam looks in good nick so we might be able to do these regularly um, <laughs> but uh, Sam thank you again say goodbye thanks sorry about the dogs <laughs> Will thanks bye hope you don't have to bowl at Chris Dent again this week <laughs> something's gone wrong <laughs> Bunny, definitely. Uh, My bunny. <laughs> and for me, it's goodbye. We'll see you all soon.